I'm Martin Reeves, Chairman of the BCG Henderson Institute, and I'm joined for today's Insights podcast by Rafi Amit and Chris Zott. Rafi is a Professor of Management at the Wharton School, and Chris is a Professor of Entrepreneurship at IESE in Barcelona. Very pleased to discuss their new book, Business Model Innovation Strategy, Transformational Concepts and Tools for Entrepreneurial Leaders, published in September 2020 by Wiley. So uh, welcome, Chris and Rafi. Thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to talk about our book. We really appreciate it. Let me kick off by asking you, what motivated you to write the book? What motivated us to write the book is a phenomenon that we observed in the mid-1990s where companies such as eBay and Netflix were born. Uh, The cost of goods sold is zero, yet they were worth billions of dollars. That led us to realize that there's a new form of innovation that is distinct from product innovation and process innovation, and that is the way the firms do business, which we refer to as a business model. So let's get our terms straight, first of all. Your book title has the word business model. It has business model innovation, business model innovation strategy. Could you explain what those terms mean very briefly? Sure. So when we talk about a business model, we refer to a system of interdependent and interconnected activities that are designed to capture specific market opportunities or perceived market opportunities and create value for all stakeholders. It is a holistic concept that requires managers to take a step back and apply a system-wide thinking. So the focus is not on a product, is not on a particular activity, but it is on the system of activities. Now, that activity system is designed and enabled by a focal firm. It encompasses activity that either the firm or its partners are carrying out, and it may span both firm and industry boundaries and create value for all stakeholders. There are four dimensions to a business model. First, the content, what are the activities? Secondly, the structure, how are these activities connected with each other? Thirdly, the governance, namely who carries out which activity? And lastly, the value logic, Why does it create value for all stakeholders? And why does it enable the focal firm to capture the value? I hear some answers to my next question in what you said, namely, what's the difference with regular strategy? So what I'm hearing is it looks beyond the boundaries of the firm. It focuses not on product market fit, but on the system of activities that creates the product market fit. Are there other essential differences with classical strategy? It complements rather than replacing the traditional forms of strategy that we learned in business school. Replace business models, a business strategy, namely how to compete. Doesn't replace corporate strategy, namely in what businesses to be in, how to enter, and when to enter. It complements these traditional forms of strategy. And, you know, the development of information and communication technology and the overall digitization created new opportunities for companies to innovate the way they do business. So digitization is really an enabler to business model innovation. It sounds like there may be some essential differences, though. I I hear you saying that it complements traditional strategy, but classical strategy is a static concept, you know, driven by scale and position. It, It sounds like you're talking about something which is more dynamic and adaptive. Would that be a fair characterization? 
I think that would be a very fair characterization. And I would also like to point out that classic strategy is often centered on products and services. And then, you know, how you differentiate and how you build a differentiated position from there or a cost leadership position. Um, the business model is not about the product, nor about services, nor about processes. It's about the whole. It's about how to do business as a company in concert with partners and customers, suppliers. So it's about the whole. And this kind of shift in perspective distinguishes our concept of the business model from, let's say, more classic and traditional notions of strategy. I'm presuming that there's a reason, some change in the world that requires us to think about business model innovation. What changed? What what made classical strategy not enough, insufficient for the job? I think it was the advent of internet and communication technologies, which drove the cost of interacting between parties pretty much in, in many respects close to zero. And so this enabled new ways of working together, new ways of conducting activities and linking activities. And I think that's why we see the rise of business model innovation already in, at the end of the last century, in the mid-1990s. And now recently with, the, with COVID and the COVID crisis, which really you know, put a strain on all the physical uh, material exchanges and privileged digital uh, transformation and digital information exchanges, business model innovation has very much come to the forefront. To complement what Chris just said about the COVID-19 and the acceleration of the digitization of businesses, the COVID-19 created an unprecedented catastrophe, if you will, that is likely to alter the preferences and habits and risk attitude of consumers, in part because of the long stays at home that we all experience, in part because of social distancing. So the question is that executives throughout the world have to ask themselves, what does it mean for their businesses? Let's take an example. Take um, retail malls. Will consumers who have now been for over a year on the internet shopping, will they return to malls? Put yourself in the shoes of a mall owner. You know, what does that mean for them? Will lessors, lessees, renew their leases? Will the traffic come back? How should mall owners reconceptualize the business they are in, not just leasing out space? Maybe it should be turned into an entertainment center that will draw people in. So the COVID-19 has profound impact. And I just gave you one industry. We can go industry by industry and see that it calls for an accelerated process of reimagining your business. So I think there are many companies out there that still have a fairly classical annual planning process. They're doing market analysis, product market fit, and they have a, a cycle run every year to do that. If we don't embrace a business model innovation perspective, what do we miss? What's the, what's the gap or the cost of not adopting this perspective? You mentioned a little earlier that one of the differences between our approach and the classic, more classic approaches to strategy is that our approach is dynamic, which is absolutely right. So in our book, we talk about the concepts and then the process of how to innovate your business model. And that process starts with needs in the market, with customer needs, with stakeholder needs. So our process is forward-looking, whereas most classic traditional planning processes are backward-looking and build on what a company has done in the past and try to project from there into the future. We actually start in the future and ask company leaders, what are 
your perceptions of market needs and then build a business model around that. That's a big difference. What is the process actually? And is it incompatible with an annual planning process? How do you develop a business model and how does that differ from the typical annual planning cycle? What you do is you start by observing. You start by talking to customers, to your peers. You start by talking to companies that are your suppliers and that are your partners. And you try to figure out what is their problem really? What are the problems that we could help them solve? That's a very entrepreneurial approach to developing a new business model. It's not incompatible with traditional strategy approaches. So if you want to overlay the two, that's perfectly fine. So for example, let's say that you, know, you project that your business needs to grow X percent in the coming years. But then of course, the big question is, how do you do that? Do you do that on the basis of your established businesses or do you do that on the basis of new business model ideas? And we're saying that growth can come and perhaps should come from new business model ideas and business model innovations. I'm wondering how deliberate the process that you lay out is. You talk about a process of ideate, iterate, implement, and you give various steps. I'm wondering whether in practice it is as systematic and deliberate as that, or whether it is a more emergent process. And as a function of that, I'm wondering, what are the planned activities that managers undertake to have successful business model innovation? It's a deliberate, disciplined process and very systematic process to business model innovation. So what we did was we looked at other design processes that have been very successfully deployed, uh, for example, to products, to services. And we looked at what the best companies, design companies in the world are doing. And we adopted their process. We adapted it to business model innovation. And so we're using that in our daily work, those processes in our daily work. So we don't, don't use these processes to make sense retrospectively of what we think might have happened in companies, but we use those processes proactively to come up with business model innovations. One challenge, it seems to me, is the enormity of the search space. Now that uh, digital technology has unleashed the possibility of recombining activities between different partners in any number of ways, Essentially, you've got a huge search problem on your hand. I could sell this in, you know, align with this producer using this sort of platform or a million other possibilities. So I'm wondering, how do you search such an enormous space? And the other thing is, you know, you say the strategy is future oriented. So presumably it can't be completely deductive. There must be some element of experimentation. So the question would be, how do you search that enormous space of possibilities? Martin, you're addressing the problem of combinatorial explosion, which really is a problem if you're adopting a deductive process and you would have to search kind of the solution space globally. But we are promoting a more inductive process, which relies on observation and direct interaction with people, with human beings, that will give you certain hints as to what the real problems are, and even hints about as to how you might be able to solve those problems, which already narrows the solution space and gives you a corridor for developing viable and interesting new business models. So our process is inductive. It relies on experimentation. It relies on prototyping, all that we know from successful product design processes. Just to complement what Chris just said, it's important to highlight that the process is inductive, but there is no boilerplate that you use through those interviews and then you synthesize the information that you gather and create your own template based on having observed other templates, possibly in other industries, 
of how other companies do business. And then based on the assessment of perceived customer needs, you develop your own template. But it, that's where the creative nature of the process comes in. I can see that the process that you recommend will highly likely develop something which is novel, highly likely develop something which meets customer needs, generate a model which is perhaps more operationally effective. But the question I'm asking myself is, where is the competitive advantage? I ask that because presumably this digital recombination is available to all. Classically, we're used to thinking about scale advantage or learning advantage or barriers to entry. Where, where's the sustainable competitive advantage here, or, or does it not exist? We just want to highlight that when it comes to competitive advantage, we need to look at the business strategy of the firm and how it intends to compete. The business model in and of itself has been shown to create value for all stakeholders and enable the firm to appropriate value. So you have to look at the competitive strategy side by side with the business model of the firm and ask how does the combination of the competitive strategy and the business model of the firm contribute to the competitive advantage? While the business model itself also enabled the firm to become more valuable, as we have shown in one of our papers, what matters for this sustainable competitive advantage is the combination of the business model with the competitive strategy of the firm. And that is something that sometimes people tend to confuse and not really respect the fact that the business model doesn't replace the competitive strategy. It enables the firm to strengthen its competitive advantage. That's right. At the same time, the business model can be part of the competitive strategy of the firm by way of complementing this product market strategy. Um, as we find that business model innovations, even you say that every firm can do it, but they're really hard to imitate because it would really require a company, as we're talking about the system here, we're talking not about individual elements of the system that you need to copy, but as a competitor, you would have to copy the entire system. I'll give you an example. Spanish clothing retailer Zara, which made its owner and founder, Amante Ortega, one of the richest people on the planet. They're founded on a business model innovation. Many fashion companies um, have tried to do as well as, as they have done. The mother company is called Inditex. And they have failed because they were focusing on individual element of what they thought was associated with business success. For example, the logistics of this company or the way they handle their suppliers, which in and of themselves are all kind of interesting approaches how they do this. But the secret of Sarah's success lies in the overall activity system, how they have organized themselves, what they do, what they let others do, how they created feedback loops within the activities. And in order to understand that, you really have to have very deep insight. And even if you have that deep insight into a competitor's business model, do you then have the ability and the willingness to change your own business model accordingly? Just one more sentence to complement what Chris said. So we talk in our book about a robust business model that is both legitimate and hard to imitate. And because imitating an entire system is much, much more difficult than imitating a product or a process or a single activity. And the legitimacy of the business model in the eyes of customers and potential partners or vendors uh, is something that contributes to the robustness of the business model and therefore 
enabling that business model in and of itself to contribute to the competitive advantage of the firm. A lot of the examples, I guess it's no accident, are essentially digital ones. A lot of the business model innovation, as you have just said, is unleashed by the recombinatorial possibilities of digital technology. If I look at those examples, the majority of them, it seems to me, are essentially digital native companies, not trying to reform an existing business model, but creating an entirely new one. So I'm asking myself, what are the odds for a legacy company, a non-digital company, to undertake this sort of innovation? And are there any special success factors or considerations for that uh, digital transformation, if you will? Let me give you one example in the automobile industry. The automobile industry has been around for a long time. Most automobile industry have a very similar business model. They design and manufacture cars, and then they have agents who sell it, right? Franchisees who sell it. Tesla is different. Tesla has adopted some of the elements of the Apple business model. Tesla designs cars, they manufacture cars, but they also distribute their own cars, unlike it, because they want total control and and instant feedback from their customers into the company, into the design processes that the company uses. So Tesla is a traditional car manufacturer, but has a very different business model than General Motors, Mercedes-Benz, or Ford Motor Company, or Chrysler Fiat. So here you have a traditional, if you will, a brick and mortar company that adopted elements from another company, Apple, in order to enable it to be today, what many people would argue, the leading electric car manufacturer. So I think, uh, Rafi, if I may say so, that satisfies 50% of my question, because that is an example of a traditional product, uh, somebody that makes things successfully embracing digital business model innovation. What about a more extreme case of a company that is established using traditional distribution routes? So they don't just make a physical product, they're doing classical strategy. What are the special considerations for that company to become you know, an ecosystem-based company, a platform-based company? That seems to me to be a very hard thing to do. So would you agree? And what's the art of doing that? Take Walmart, for example. Walmart has been still is the largest retailer in the world. It employs 2.2 million people. It's the largest single employer in the world. It operates in 27 different countries as a retailer. So it has managed to build on its uh, brick and mortar operations and create a huge online business to complement it. And it uses its physical stores to enhance its online business. So here you have a very traditional brick-and-mortar company, a retailer in this particular case, happens to be the largest retailer in the world, that has successfully transformed itself to take advantage of the digital technologies that enable it to leverage its offline brick-and-mortar activities. But of course, Martin, you're right. It's a tough thing to do. We're not saying it's easy. That's why we have an entire chapter in our book devoted to this challenge. The last question would be, where to begin. So in a sense, you've given the full theory, you know, all of the steps, all of the considerations. A CEO looking to embrace this new business model innovation philosophy would need to start somewhere. What are the pivotal leadership moves that would begin to retread a company towards this way of thinking about strategy? Yeah, I would say, of course, look at our book. We will give you some nice ideas here of how to start. But on a more serious note, 
think very deeply about problems that your company should solve for customers. Don't think about solutions and the things that you're good at and what you think might sell in the marketplace, but think very carefully about changing customer needs, changing customer problems, and try to figure out what are those problems really so that you get an idea of what solutions might be effective. Because if you're solving the wrong problems, then you can be as good as you want, but you will not be in an advantageous position. So start with the problem. To complement what Chris just said, number one, it's really important for the top management to adopt the business model mindset, namely familiarizing the organization with the content and process of developing and implementing and adopting a business model innovation strategy. That's really a prerequisite. And there's no doubt that, as Chris has pointed out, that managerial insight, vision, and leadership play a pivotal role in developing a business model innovation strategy. I think that the distinctive function of corporate leaders, on one hand, if you will, of entrepreneurial leaders, lies in recognizing market and technology trends and then conceiving and designing and implementing innovative, robust, scalable business model to create value for all stakeholders. I want to thank you for a fascinating conversation today, Chris and uh, Rafi. It was uh, wonderful. Congratulations again on your new book, Business Model Innovation Strategy, Transformational Concepts and Tools for Entrepreneurial Leaders, published in September 2020 by Wiley, which I would strongly recommend to anyone that's interested in strategy, especially mastering the implications and the competitive implications of digital strategy that I think is on every company's mind now. So thank you again, Chris and Rafi. Thank you very much. We really enjoyed it. Thank you.